Good morning. I'd like to welcome everyone to worship this morning. We're glad that you're here worshiping with us, those of you tuning in at home. We ask that you would uh, let us know that you're here. Grab that pew pad at the end of the aisle. Complete that uh, and pass that to the neighbors who are seated with you. I do have a few announcements to share with you this morning, a few updates. Uh, if you're not getting our weekly emailed uh, announcements, then let us know in the office. We'll add you to that email list. Uh, I will say that uh, Valerie let me know yesterday that those of you that are going to help out with the Christmas tree lighting and passing out cookies, that's not going to happen on Friday now. That's going to happen on Saturday. Patty Swingo contacted her to let her know that that's all going to happen on one day. So that's all going to be this coming Saturday with the parade. Uh, so if you can talk to Valerie uh, for more information about that. So those of you that had agreed to do it Friday, just know that it's going to be on Saturday now. Uh, also, uh, we have uh, plenty of busy things happening in the life of the church. Uh, we're going to be decorating the sanctuary next weekend uh, for Christmas. Advent begins next Sunday as well, so we hope that you'll make plans to be a part of that. You can talk to Donna or Mike or to Andy if you want to help uh, decorate the sanctuary. Also, a little bit of uh, bittersweet news. Uh, Christina has tendered her resignation. Uh, she got a job with the state of West Virginia and so she's going to be uh, starting there. So this Thursday will be her last day in the church. She told me this a while ago, but she wanted me to wait till the Thanksgiving holidays were finished. So the attention was not on her, but on, uh, on being thankful. So anyway, she will be with us uh, only through this coming Thursday. You'll hear more about that in the position, posting and things like that once the admin committee gets together. Uh, also, we are accepting donations for Christmas um, baskets and things like that. So if you'd like to talk to Jennifer Burgess about that, please do so. Again, we're thrilled that you're here worshiping with us. Let's now prepare our hearts to worship the living God.
Please join me in the call to worship found in your bulletin from Psalm 100, verses 1 through 5. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord is God. It is he that made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, bless his name. For the Lord is good, his steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness extends to all generations. Come, let us worship the King of kings. Please stand as you are able for hymn number 268, Crown Him with Many Crowns.
May the peace of the Lord be always with you. Hear now our call to confession, which comes from the book of Jeremiah, chapter 29, verses 11 through 13. For surely I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans for your welfare, not for harm, to give you a future with hope. And then when you call upon me and come to me and pray to me, I will hear you. When you search for me, you will find me. And if you seek me with all of your heart. Please pray with me now the prayer of confession. Almighty and everlasting God, whose will it is to restore all things in your well-beloved Son, the King of kings and Lord of lords, mercifully grant that the peoples of the earth, divided and enslaved by sin, may be freed and brought together under his most gracious rule, who lives with reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Take a moment for your silent confession of sin. Amen. Friends, hear the good news. Who is in a position to condemn us? Only Christ. Yet we know that Christ came for us. He lived with us. He died for us. He rose again to a new life for us and is seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. The Apostle Paul reminds us that he prays for us. We know that in Christ's coming, God was reconciling the world to himself, that our old life is gone and a new life remains. So know that you have been forgiven and be at peace. And pray also for me, a sinner. Amen. may be seated. And I invite you to turn with me to the prophecy of Ezekiel, chapter 34. We'll be reading verses 11 through 24. Listen to God's holy word. For thus says the Lord God, I myself will search for my sheep, and I will seek them out. As shepherds seek out their flocks when they are among their scattered sheep, so I will seek out my sheep. And I will rescue them from all the places to which they have been scattered on the day of the cloud and thick darkness. I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and will bring them into their own land. And I will feed them on the mountains of Israel, by the water courses, and in all the inhabited parts of the land. I will feed them with good pasture, and the mountain heights of Israel shall be their pasture. There they shall lie down in good grazing land. And they shall feed on rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep. And I will make them lie down, says the Lord God. I will seek the lost and I will bring back the strayed. And I will bind up the injured and I will strengthen the weak. But the fat and the strong I will destroy and will feed them with justice. As for you, my flock, says the Lord God, I shall judge between sheep and sheep, between rams and goats, it is not enough for you to feed on the good pasture, but you must tread down with your feet the rest of your pasture. When you drink of clear water, must you foul the rest with your feet? And must my sheep eat what you have trodden with your feet, and drink what you have fouled with your feet? Therefore thus says the Lord God to them, 
I myself will judge between the fat sheep and the lean sheep. Because you pushed with flank and shoulder and butted at all the weak animals with your horns until you scattered them far and wide. I will save my flock, and they will no longer be ravaged, and I will judge between sheep and sheep. I will set up them over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them, and he shall feed them and be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David shall be prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken. This is the word of the Lord. be seated. This time I invite the children forward for a children's sermon. And since there are none, I'll talk to you at home, the children at home. Today's story is a time where sheep and goats are separated. That's a very confusing thing because they're both farm animals. But Jesus comes and says, when the kingdom of God comes in uh, to the fullness of its power and its time, we're going to separate the sheep from the goats. And there's a lot to talk about with that. But that would be very similar to saying we're going to separate the people with blue eyes from the people with brown eyes. Or the people with brown hair from the people with blonde hair. It's kind of a weird thing because there's so many similarities between sheep and goats. And it just seems odd to us because very few of us live on a farm. However, one of the things that's kind of neat you learn about is that goats are a little bit mischievous. And so if you keep the sheep and the goats together, the goats just kind of always pick at the sheep and cause the sheep to react. And then there's always a big fuss and a big fight. But Jesus says it's not even about the fussing or the fighting. He says that we're like sheep, and we're, we just read a story from Ezekiel, where Jesus, uh, where God says through Ezekiel that he's going to gather everybody up and, and feed the sheep and treat the sheep uh, as one shepherd and gather them up into one flock. And the good news there is eventually all of us will find out about how amazing Jesus is. But in the meantime, Jesus gives us a task. He says we should give people that are hungry food to eat, people that are thirsty a cool drink of water, people that don't have a home, we should try to get them housed, People that are sick or in prison, we should visit and share God's love with them. And we should want to do that, not for ourselves, not to reward ourselves, but because we need to recognize we're all the same. And we would want somebody to come and visit us or give us something to eat or give us something to drink or to treat us well. So our message today is love your neighbor. Do it because Jesus asked you to, not because you get a reward, but because it's the right thing to do. Let's pray. Dear God, 
You rock. And we love you. And we're so glad you gave us sheep, you gave us goats, and you gave us choices. Please help us make the right choices. Amen. I invite you now to turn with me to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 25. Kind of just told you the story, but we're going to read it nonetheless. And we'll be reading verses 31 through 46. Hear God's holy word. When the Son of Man comes into his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit upon the throne of his glory and all the nations will be gathered before him. And he will separate people one from another as shepherds separate the sheep and the goats. And he will put the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. And the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you that are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of time. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you took care of me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry and gave you food or thirsty and gave you something to drink? And when was it that we saw you as a stranger and welcomed you or naked and gave you clothing? When was it that we saw you sick or in prison and visited you? And the king will answer, truly, I tell you, just as you did for the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. And then he will say to those on his left hand, you are accursed. Depart from me and enter the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me. Naked and you did not give me clothing. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. And they also answered to the Lord, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not take care of your needs. And the king will respond, Truly I tell you, just as you did not do to one of these the least, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. May the Lord add blessing and understanding to the reading and hearing of his holy word. Let us pray. Holy and gracious God, we thank you for this story that you grant us. We thank you, Lord, for the way that you teach us through storytelling and parables. We ask that your spirit be upon us this day as we discern this parable's meaning. And we say all this in the name of your son. Amen. I'm old enough that one of my favorite cartoons uh, growing up was the Peanuts uh, cartoon. And, of course, I called it Charlie Brown. I didn't call it Peanuts. But I read the Peanuts in the, in the Sunday papers. And I loved watching the specials on TV. And this time of year, you really, well, you don't anymore because it's not on national television. But I happen to have Apple TV, so I get to watch Charlie Brown specials. You get to watch the Great Pumpkin, and you get to watch the Thanksgiving fiasco, and then, of course, uh, the Christmas special. And I was always kind of 
drawn into the story. I actually had dressed up as Charlie Brown one year for Christmas. Uh, I had then and still have a very annoying younger sister who had blonde hair. Um, I had a dog. I still have a dog. And my mother affectionately referred to me as Pigpen. So I felt uh, right at home in the story. While I don't take the newspaper anymore, I still read uh, the comics when I get a chance, when I see them. They're not there as much. But I remember one comic strip in particular. Uh, This one had Snoopy uh, sitting on uh, the outside of his doghouse, and he tended to be shivering. It was during a very cold winter storm. And I don't remember which character was with Charlie Brown. I tried to find it online this week, and I couldn't find it. But one of the characters was walking along with Charlie Brown. And Charlie walks past Snoopy and says, Be of good cheer, Snoopy. And whoever was with Charlie Brown said, Yes, Snoopy, be of good cheer. And the very last box of that comic strip had Snoopy still shivering and kind of doing this with the question mark above his head. Now, what's the moral of that story? Charlie Brown wished his dog well in a snowstorm. What did Snoopy need? A blanket. And if the character, I really wanted the character to be Linus, but again, I couldn't find it. Because if Linus had the blanket, Linus would have then had the very thing that could have done Snoopy the best, which would have just give him the blanket and let him be warm. But instead, they just walked by, be of good cheer, and let it go. And there's a separation that takes place. They probably felt good. Like, hey, good job, doggy, or hi, dog. Whatever we might do when we walk past the dog. And I think it's hard for us to read that comic strip or maybe hear me talk about that comic strip and realize maybe, maybe in life, maybe we might walk past things and say, be of good cheer. And I think that's exactly what Jesus was doing in this text this day. He's giving his disciples one last lecture. The end of chapter 25. We've been in chapter 25 for weeks now. Pretty much the entire month of November. This is the end. And in in addition to the bridegroom and the landowner and the absentee people, what we have now is the king is here. The king has come with glory. The king will sit upon the throne and will address those who are gathered round. The king is present in his glory. Uh, This is the last lesson in Matthew's gospel. Uh, This is the last day of the Christian year. This is Christ the King Sunday. Uh, the, The picture on the front is one of the oldest pictures in Christian history of Christ being the king. And if you look at that picture, you'll see that his eyes look a little weird, right? One is that Christ is both fully human and fully divine. So as Christ looks at the world, he looks through a human eye, but he also looks through a divine eye. And that's one of the greatest ways that we've been teaching uh, things about Jesus the King, is that as he is the King of all creation, we believe, as Christians we believe that, He always has this ability to see both from a human perspective and from a very royal perspective. It's with the human perspective that he gave care and need, and it's with the royal perspective that he ends up being the judge of the earth. 
So as we come to this, the last Sunday in the lectionary series, Series A, uh, kind of the weird news is we have now preached together since I've been here years, we started with year B, year B, which was Mark's gospel, year C, which was Luke's gospel, and now we finished year A with Matthew's gospel. And so we celebrate this, the end of the teaching cycle of Matthew. Next Sunday we'll begin the first Sunday of Advent. We'll go back to Mark, even though I'm switching the lectionary. We're going to the narrative lectionary. We're still going to be in the year of Mark, which is kind of cool. But there's something to, to understand that the way the lectionary is, is put together, we celebrate at the end of the year the joyous nature of Christ being our king. As Americans, we don't want to think about that word king, right? We fought really hard to not have to be underneath kingship. So sometimes it's difficult for us to kind of put a, a pen in understanding what it is for Jesus to be our king. But the good news is that when the king comes, finally, those that are true followers of the king will be welcomed into glory. It begins with these words, when the Son of Man comes in his glory, when all is said and done, this is the moral conclusion to the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus is talking about the great consummation of God's purpose for our lives. This is kingdom work. In other words, the parable of judgment in Matthew's gospel and this is kind of a weird thing because what's the criterion for judgment? Notice that today's text doesn't have anything to do with proper theology. Now, as Reformed Christians, that's hard for us to hear. We pride ourselves on proper theology. We're taught in seminary to make sure when we stand in this pulpit and we're going to teach others, we're called teaching elders because my job as minister of word and sacrament is not just to hand the sacrament, but it's to teach the right theology. And we're grilled, aren't we, in seminary? I mean, they grill us on what proper theology is so that we don't tell the wrong story in this space. But that's not what saves. You'll also notice there's nothing in this text about professing Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, right? We don't have to make any kind of public profession of faith for God to welcome us into the kingdom according to Matthew 25. That's really hard for a lot of our Christian brothers and sisters of other denominations to reconcile. It's not about personal piety. It's not about how proper we live whether or not we kept the Ten Commandments, whether or not how many times we broke the Ten Commandments. It's not about that. It's what we do to others. Do to others. Jesus talks about salvation in all kinds of different contexts. And sometimes he's very cryptic. Sometimes it's always in a parable. Sometimes he just kind of comes out and says it. Matthew 25 is one of those places where he just kind of comes out and says it. This isn't the first time in the gospel that we've heard Jesus say, this is how you were welcomed into the kingdom. The first time is in chapter 5, when he tells in part of the Sermon on the Mount 
those that are willing to listen, if you don't live the same way the Pharisees live, you ain't getting in. Well, the Pharisees kept all of those 613 laws. They prided themselves on it. Then he ends up fighting the Pharisees through the rest of Matthew's gospel. And now he says, okay, this is really it. This is how you will be judged. The sheep good was right. They're declared blessed. They inherit the kingdom prepared from them since the foundation of the world, since the beginning of time. When all is said and done, they receive eternal life. The goats, they don't get to go on the right hand. Sorry, goats, you're on the left. The goats don't get to do that. They get to a special place prepared for the devil and for the devil's angels for punishment. Now, why do you separate sheep from goats? It's really kind of interesting. It's not, I'm not a shepherd, right? Although when I'm on a plane with somebody and they ask me what I do, I tell them that I'm a shepherd, and then they stop asking me questions, which is a cool thing. <clears throat> but shepherds have a very interesting job, and oftentimes sheep and goats are kept together from what I understand. But in the evening, when it comes time for those animals to rest, it's very important to separate them. One reason that we know uh, later in science has taught us that goats have to have a very high amount of copper in their diet. And so when you have sheep and goats together, you can't feed them the same thing. And so in the evening time, one of the times that you feed both the sheep and the goats, you can't give the sheep the same food that you give the goats. Now, any of you that have ever been around sheep and goats, when you see sheep eat, what do sheep typically eat? Grass. They're grazers, just like cattle. What do goats eat? Anything they can open their mouth to, right? A tin can. They'll eat anything, a tire, whatever's around. Another reason you have to separate them in the evening time is that goats are very mischievous. And when a goat fights, if you've ever seen a goat, if you've ever seen National Geographic when rams are fighting up on mountain goats up in the mountains, how do they fight? It's really awesome. They rear up really high, and then they come down and butt heads together. How do sheep fight? Sheep don't ever take their front paws off the ground. Sheep just back up and then take off running. And if you don't separate the sheep from the goats, the goats that are mischievous and like to stir it up, they'll just rear up and get ready to pounce. And the sheep will do what? They will run right into the gut of the goat. And it injures most of the male goats. So then the male goats can't breed. And then if you can't breed, then you can't have prosperity into the future. And so you've got to separate the sheep from the goats. Now, I've just spent five minutes explaining animal husbandry to you in such a way that hopefully you'll never have to ask that question again, right? In Jesus' time, they were like, no joke, Jesus. You have to separate the sheep from the goats. But Jesus goes further. I don't know why sheep are the blessed ones and goats are the bad ones, apart from maybe the Old Testament idea that for the majority of sacrifices for sin offerings, the prescription in Leviticus is to sacrifice goats. That's all I got. They killed just as many sheep as they did goats. But for some reason, goats were the ones that were prescribed for the sin offerings. But Jesus doesn't even talk about that. He just says to the sheep, well done, get in. 
Because I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. Because I was hungry and you fed me. Because I was sick and you visited. Because I was naked and you gave me clothes. And they said, when on earth did we see you that way? What you do to the least of these, you do to me. Welcome into my kingdom. And the goats were like, "Uh uh-oh. We didn't see Jesus either. And he says, you did see me. And you did not give me something to drink. You did not feed me. You did not visit. You didn't send a postcard. You didn't care one rip about me. Jesus, we didn't see you. Had we seen you, we totally would have taken care of you. You are our king. Why would we ever ignore you? What you do to the least of these, you do to me. There is no gray area for Jesus. And I love what Jesus uses to to define what a Christian really is. He looks at sheep and says, come on in, and goats, and sorry, you don't get to. And then the hard part, friends, is that we have to sit here and chew on this story ourselves. And I so badly want to put myself in the pen with the sheeps. I think I'm a pretty good guy. I've given people rides. I've picked up hitchhikers. I've taken people who were broken down on the side of the road to the gas station and gotten their tires fixed and taken them back and missed one of my children's performances in church. My wife was not a happy camper. And it doesn't matter how many times I say, what was the least of these? Because their response will be, the least you could do is love your child, Mark. Come on. And in the back of my mind, as I struggle with this text, you have to think, why am I helping other people? Is it only because I want to go to heaven? I've had, I've had a conversation with a, a, someone I love dearly who said, I have to forgive people that sin against me because if I don't forgive them, I don't get to go to heaven. And I'm like, man, that is not what the Bible says at all. When we do something for our own benefit, we're still with the goats because we're only doing it for our reward. And I'm sure you've probably met somebody who loves telling you how much they help other people. What does Jesus say about that in the Sermon on the Mount? To go back to chapter 5. When you brag about what you've done, you've already received your reward. That's hard to hear as well. Friends, the hard part of this story is Jesus is defining what it's like to be a follower of the Son of creation and loving your neighbor as yourself. Who is your neighbor? Every other human. And what humanity has sadly done throughout its entire written history and probably before we had an alphabet is we've done our darndest to separate ourselves from other humans. And we 
plop ourselves up on pedestals. And I think we've always gotten it wrong. It's time for us as Christians to recognize good deeds are good. But most of the time they're to make us feel good. Jesus is calling for us to be radically different than the world. Radically. Don't give with condition. Don't give out of obligation. Change yourself so radically that you do it and don't even recognize the face of the recipient of your good deeds. I go back to Snoopy, shivering in the cold. It's not that he was approached with wrong intentions. Charlie Brown probably thought, I really, I, I addressed my dog today. I didn't kick him. I probably put food in his bowl. I probably watered him. It may be frozen in the water bowl now, but, but I told him to be of good cheer. I think sometimes Christians are the ones that get Christ so wrong. And I are one. I fully admit, I get Jesus wrong. I want Jesus to be my Savior. I want Jesus, to, I had a t-shirt when I was younger that said, Jesus is my lifeguard. I mean, how stupid is that? That's terrible theology, right? I wore it boldly. When someone needs food, do we give them a lecture? When they're thirsty, do we throw salt at them? When they appear strange, do we lock our doors? Someone runs at us naked. Giving them clothing is probably not the first thought on our mind. When they're sick or in prison, maybe being sick, we can justify not visiting because we don't want to catch what they have. But being in prison, maybe we just think, well, they've, they've got what's coming to them. Friends, which pen are you in? Can you count how many people you've helped? Can you tell me about all the charity you've done? Do we look at this world and say, man, it needs Jesus? Or when Jesus comes, this world's going to find out. I think the challenge of Christianity is that we've kind of forgotten that Jesus is not telling us to act out of obligation or pity or anything else apart from the fact we name ourselves little Christs. And Christ gave so much to us. May God be merciful with us as we strive to be in the correct pen. And may we do it in the name and the help of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen and amen. Now let us stand and declare that which we believe in the recitation of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, 
suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, communion of saints, forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. It's now time for us to continue our worship by the gathering of our tithes and offerings. Let's pray. Holy and gracious God, we thank you for the many gifts and blessings that you've granted to us in this life. Lord, as we return a portion of these gifts to you now, we ask for your wisdom and your courage to use these gifts in a manner in which you see fitting. All this we ask in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. I have a few updates to share with you. I just uh, received a card from Vicki, uh, her family. Uh, she lost her cousin, Lee Stark, who died Saturday of cancer, so keep Vicky's family in your prayer. Uh, Abby Birch had a successful uh, knee replacement surgery at St. Mary's on Thursday, Friday, on Friday. You got to go home yesterday. Uh, and all week this week, um, been in communication with Caitlin about uh, Aviana, 
essentially, there's not been much change since last week when we baptized her. She's had several days of massive seizures. They keep trying to wean her off of the seizure medication to do an MRI, and they can't. Uh, so it's been a week, a very long week uh, for the family. Uh, so please continue to keep Caitlin and Aviana and all the rest of their family in your prayers as well. And we're thankful this week to have a guest musician, a guest musician that we all know and love so well. We're glad that he's here. Uh, we're also glad we were able to give a week off to our newly hired musician. Uh, and we're so thankful that David was able to be with us today. Let's bind our hearts and minds together as we lift our petitions to our Lord and to our King. Let us pray. Holy God, we thank you so much for your kingship. We thank you for your authority over our lives, for your gentleness, for your love, for your grace. We thank you so much that your grace does sustain us. We pray, God, that as we are your humble servants, that you would be gracious with us as we continue to strive and to learn how to be your faithful followers. We ask, God, that you would continue to bind our minds to your mind, our hearts to your heart, and our vision to your vision, as we strive to be your faithful followers. Forgive us when we fail you, and we ask, God, that you would continue to encourage us to the work of your Holy Spirit, to seek ways to serve in your dear name. We're thankful, Lord, for this weekend of holiday cheerfulness and thanksgiving. We're thankful for the good gifts we have in this life, the gift of this church, the gift of our friends and family who worship together with us here. We thank you, Lord, for the safe travels of those we love. We thank you, Lord, for the time off. We thank you for the abundance of food. We thank you for fellowship. And we thank you, Lord, for the freedoms that we have in this country. We know that historically those freedoms have come at a great and severe cost to those whom we refer to as veteran. We thank you, God, that you have called them into the service of their country. We thank you for the men and women who continue to be in the military this day. We pray, Lord, for a day where that is no longer necessary, a day where we would beat our swords into plowshares and our spears into pruning hooks. We recognize, God, that there are wars taking place this day. The continued war between Russia and Ukraine, the newly established war between Israel and Hamas. We pray for peace in both of those situations. We pray for justice. We pray for the prisoners of war. We pray for the families who mourn. We pray, God, that other countries will use their influence to let cooler thoughts prevail. We pray, God, for the wars that don't always make it to the daily news. We pray for the battles that go on in the streets of Charleston and Huntington. We pray for those who are fighting drug addiction, substance use. We pray for their families. We pray, God, for those who hunger, who thirst. We pray for those who are not fully clothed or homed. We pray for those who are separate and lonely. We pray for those who we might refer to as shut in. We pray for those who do that to themselves out of fear of mental challenges, deficiencies. 
We pray, God, for those that we cordon off ourselves. We pray for the broken families. We pray, God, for the brokenness in our own lives. We pray for our enemy. We pray, God, for our president, for the leaders of our nation, for our state and local leaders, whoever govern over us. We pray, God, that they would seek ways to seek justice and be merciful. We pray, God, for the men and women who have been called into the service of healing. Thankful for the healers. We pray for those who need for you to be the great physician. Pray for those who mourn and grieve. We pray for those who are seated to our right and to our left, in front of us and behind us. In the stillness of this moment, Lord, we pray for ourselves. Holy God, we are amazed by your grace and the glory of your ways. We thank you so much for sending your son to earth that he showed us how to live and taught us also to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Please stand as you are able for our closing hymn. Hymn number 260, Alleluia. Sing to Jesus.
something around Facebook uh, shared by some of my uh, friends in ministry. Uh, they're reporting about a fellow who was on um, public radio. Uh, he happens to come from a more evangelical version of Christianity who says that pastors are reporting um, they're not able to preach the gospel <clears throat> because their congregants don't like hearing that Jesus asked people to, to, to help the poor. And that may be true. <laughs> there, there could be churches that don't like to hear that. Uh, but what bothers me about my friends that share that is that in their sharing it, they're essentially saying, look at us. We care about the poor. We've got it right. And I think if they would read Matthew 25, <laughs> they might realize we probably shouldn't brag too much about what our theoretical practice of life is and be far more concerned about what our actual practice of life should be. And again, I remind you, John Calvin says you can't preach a sermon unless you need to hear it yourself. So most of what I said in my sermon today is about me, okay? Preaching to myself first. You all get to hear that theological conversation that takes place that lives in my head. But I think part of what we get wrong as Christians so often is that we're so willing to point out what others are doing wrong that we fail to see what Christ is calling us to do. What does Jesus say the greatest commandment is? How many times do we have to say it together? Love God and love your neighbor. Man, let's do that, friends. Amen? Amen. Now receive the blessing of the triune God, the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. May it be with us all until we meet again, either here or His glorious kingdom come. Amen and amen. Happy Sunday.